0: This is episode three of the Kindred Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Sue Allen. Welcome, this is episode three. I'm so excited you're here. On this episode, I talk with my friend Lynn Patty about two of the topics she has written on for Kindred Mom. We unpack a bit of how the idealized image of the perfect mom, who is not real, can contribute to us feeling constantly inadequate. We also talk about screen time and the role that technology plays within our families. I love Lynn's thoughts on the topic. The audio quality of this interview is a little rough as it was one of the very first ones I ever recorded, but I hope you'll find it a worthwhile lesson anyway. This show is supported by Adopt Together, the world's largest nonprofit crowdfunding platform for adoption. Adopt Together helps turn crowds into communities by providing a space for adoptive families to share their story and collect tax deductible donations from their entire support network. In just five years, they have helped over 2,300 families raise more than $10 million to fund their adoptions. If you are considering adoption, Go to AdoptTogether.org to check out some of their family profiles and hear Adopt Together CEO and founder Hank Fortner talk about how he uses the internet to build families. All right, here we go.
1: Lynn, Patty, you are on the air. Hello. How are you? I am doing well. I'm sitting here with my cup of chamomile lemon tea and... Most of my children, I think, are asleep, so we're doing great.
0: That's awesome. I'm so glad that we found a time that would work to do this little interview. And um, yeah, I would love to begin by just uh, letting everyone who is listening to this know that you are a good friend of mine from years ago, and uh, we've been through a lot of mothering seasons together. And I'm really excited to have you here to talk about some of the topics you have written on for the Kindred Mom blog and. Um, so with that in mind, I'd love for you to give us a little bit of an intro to you and your family.
1: Okay, we are a family of six. There is me and my husband, Mike, and then we have a nine-year-old daughter, Emma, and a six-year-old son, Noah, five-year-old son, Luke, and an almost nine-month-old little girl um, who is Elizabeth, and we call her Ellie. And we live in Los Angeles. My husband is in the movie industry, writes music for film and television. And I um, homeschool the kids and try to do my best to do meal planning and clean my house. Mm-hmm. and All um, the motherhood things. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm really glad that you're here, and um, to catch everyone else up a little bit, uh, you have written several essays for our community, which I'm so grateful for, and uh, the first one that you wrote on was called The Perfect Monster Mom, and I think that was mostly to go along with the flourishing in motherhood topic that we first visited in the very first month that Kindred Mom became something, and... um, People who are listening to this can go to the blog and check it out if they want to read the essay in full. But uh, in general, what you touched on is kind of that the voice of the inner critic um, Um, and the mom who really desires to be a good mom but is fearful that maybe she's not and kind of struggles with uh, all the things she feels like she should be doing or that the perfect mom would be doing that she might not be doing. So I want you to talk about that a little bit more and um, kind of some of your own experience with uh, coming against that voice. (laughs) you know, (laughs) you're not doing good enough. Like, where does that come from? And what has that been like for you?
1: Well, I really clearly remember the first time that I sort of battled this thing and actually was able to step out of it and name it. And, um, I, we had gone on a trip somewhere. I honestly, I don't even remember where we went, but it was like maybe a two hour away from home and, uh, a two hour trip away from home. And, I was on my way home and I had to come home by myself. Mike had to go come home a different way. And um, I was with all three kids. And uh, at that time I had three. And I just remember stopping at Target, realizing that one kid had a poop since we left. So he had he had been in his seat for an hour and I didn't know that he had a poop. Um, my daughter was probably hungry or fussing. And then the baby, uh, Lukey, um, was sick or something. And I remember opening the van door and thinking to myself, I should have this together. There are moms out there who would have planned this trip so much better than I did. And look at me. I am sitting here and I'm struggling and I did a horrible job and blah, blah, blah. And I just remember stopping and saying, who are you talking about? Who is this mom out there who would have done so much better than you? And I remember feeling like grace wash over me in the sense that, um, I was doing the best that I could. I didn't know he had a poop, and my little one was sick, and that just part of motherhood. And my oldest daughter, who was doing whatever she—I mean, it's just that's the way it was. And I was doing the best that I could in that moment. And that's probably the fir- that was probably five years ago. Um, but it was the first time that I really was aware of this comparing and this um, mm. comparing to a standard that isn't even real.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think it can be um, really challenging as moms um, that we we only have the the vision of what's right in front of us in our own homes. Like we see our own mess, but we don't see other people's messes, and we don't right. see how other moms are struggling. And um, I mean, on occasion, I guess we do, but I just feel overall um, like our culture has kind of conditioned us all to try to put our best foot forward and on social media uh, make sure that we whitewash out everything unpleasant about what we are experiencing and um, I think that's really hard because you know when we do come into seasons or times that we are struggling we just want to know that we're not alone and um, you know if we don't know that because we're not seeing that it's really easy to get really discouraged.
1: Yes. Yes. And I I just remember going from there and, you know, obviously five years have passed and I've had another baby. And I mean, it happens all the time. And what's even, more ironic or hilarious or never, as I was just saying to my husband tonight, as I was scrambling at dinner time because mm-hmm. I didn't have a plan, and um, I was like, "Oh, I just I'm so bad at this. I'm just I I can't believe that I can't get this together." I was like, "I used to do blah 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 when we only had two kids. You know, I used to meal plan and shop for the groceries, whatever." And it it, it I guess what I'm trying to say is that you know. It's a process. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, and it's one that even almost 10 years into motherhood, I still am not always great at. And I just have to remind myself that that voice of this perfect whatever, this perfect woman who has it all together, like, she is just... She probably will haunt me for the rest of my mothering days. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a process. But I can, I can call it out now. I can be like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm yeah. doing great. I'm doing fine, you yeah. know?
0: Yeah, I feel like so many mamas need to know that, um, you know, the... The things that we encounter on a daily basis that really feel like they're just, they're slow, or they're not what we wanted, or they're not what we expected, or we just don't feel like we have the ability to meet our children's needs or to do it with any kind of finesse, and, like, those feelings just come up a lot, and um, so one of the things you touched on at the end of your essay was um, that when that happens for you, that your response is to lean in yes. and the, the lean in days are your favorite. And um, I really love that partly because it's very simple. And I feel like that's something that I can practically do when things are hard. Um, but I want to know a little bit more about what that looks like for you. What does it look like to lean in?
1: Well, this morning, as an example, we were uh, doing school and my little guy who is six, he's a first grader. Um, he just has trouble sometimes when he's doing one math problem and he finishes that one. He has to do the next one, <laughs> like yeah, keep going, you know, and it's probably a learned behavior that I've taught him that I'm going to be like his cheerleader every time. Well, needless to say, I got really frustrated with him and I yelled at him. There you go. True confessions. Totally yelled at him. (laughs) I was like, yeah, exactly. And I was like, buddy, come on. You know, whatever I said, I don't even know. And um, it wasn't great. It was not a great moment. And so we went on, did other things, whatever. And about an hour after that, we picked up Lukey, the five-year-old from preschool. And I actually got in the back of the van with all four kids because I really just needed to apologize. I was a jerk. To my son. Mm. And not only was I a jerk to him, I did it in front of my older daughter. And it just wasn't cool. You know, so my lean in moment today was to actually take responsibility for something that I did that was, that was not good, you know, that was really just mean spirited. And, uh, you know, I could have been frustrated about whatever. But it didn't matter because he's six. He doesn't yeah. need his mommy yelling at him for that, you know. So that, you know, I lean in in that sense is just a, taking responsibility for something that you've done wrong to your child. Like, I think that that's important. And maybe the reason why you had the struggle in the first place was because mommy was in the wrong and you got to correct that. So yeah, um, yeah. that. Yeah, go
0: ahead. I was just going to say that it seems like uh, a multi-layered conflict sometimes where your child may not be doing what they are supposed to be doing, but I find myself also like I've If I am in a a space or a a demeanor that is really um, encouraging my children, I feel like they respond a lot better than when I'm criticizing them. Exactly, exactly. I I think that your your thoughts about that are really great, and um, I just think that it's... um, so important when we are parenting that we have a humility that we bring to it. Mm-hmm. You know, like Maybe we feel humbled, but I don't mm-hmm. know if we always communicate um, to our children that we are human and that we make mistakes too. Um, yeah. and I think that's a really powerful way to model for them um, okay. how to make things right with people when you do something yeah. that um, you know, causes trouble. Sure.
1: Yeah, another – I was thinking of another lean-in kind of situation that's happening with my oldest is that she is nine now. And so, like, mamas of littles out there, I totally know what you're going through because I have littles too. But as they're getting older, there's this – almost like this breach of – of relation um, breach of relationship between her and I because she's older and she can understand more and she can almost be let in to some things more. Um, I still do say to her every once in a while you're nine. Go play, you know. Yeah. But at the a childhood, time, yes, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. But at the same time, like she can handle some more things, so we are able to have like maybe a little inside joke together, or mm-hmm. you know, or like when I'm kind of helping the five year old through something, I can kind of bring Emma in and be like, hey, you know, can you just really help Lukey today because he's just struggling with both, you know? And she's like my ally, and so that's been a really interesting dynamic to another way of leaning in is like, oh my gosh, she's a little bit older and she can be my friend and my friend in a way. And I'm one of those moms who's like, my kids will never be my friends. That's so unhealthy. Now I'm like, wait a minute, this could actually be a little cool with some
0: healthy boundaries, you know? Yeah, well just to know that your communication and relationship changes as they grow and as we grow too. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I feel like I've changed a lot as a mom since my oldest was really little and um, it is interesting to see the the evolution of the relationship between us and our oldest children.
1: Mm -hmm. Definitely
0: awesome well I would also love to talk a little bit about um your essay that you wrote on screen time which I yes. laughed through every part of this just because it's so real real to the times real to my experience and um it was titled on screen time written while my kids were on screens <laughs> yes,
1: ma'am. oh yeah
0: and I feel so. like that's
1: how I get any how I get anything done these days is that yeah. they're on screens yes yes yes, yes.
0: that's just a Part of life these days, and um, I, I have been excited about how well received this topic has been on Kindred Mom this month. And um, it seems like it's something that is affecting everyone, yeah. and not everyone is really talking about it. Um, I think because there are um, small ways that we have kind of decided what is acceptable and At the same time, we don't have a real look into what other people's homes are like or what their um, screen time boundaries are for their family, their values as a family. And um, so I'd love for you to talk a little bit about uh, some of the ideas that you touched on in that essay, um, starting with like what... What is the role of screens in your family? And then also, what are some boundaries or parameters that you have set around, um, you know, treating that in a healthy manner within your home?
1: So screens in our family are, they are entertainment. They are fun. Um, I actually, it's another topic, but I actually don't use a lot of screens for school or education because it just, for us right now, it's just not working. Um, So they're fun. It's entertainment and pleasure on the weekend. Um, That is how we have treated that. Um, Boundaries for us include pretty much Monday through Friday morning, no Mm -hmm. screens. Um, And by screens, I think I maybe need to define some terms here because my kids do watch TV. And they do watch TV throughout the week, here and there. Um, So... So when I'm saying screens, for us it's iPad, so. um, And yeah, so Monday through Friday, we really try to shelter that time, but Saturday afternoons and Sunday afternoons have been the times when most likely our kids are able to play.
0: Great, Um, and I was gonna say about that as well. um, Oh, I wanted to also address that um, one thing I think is problematic with talking about screen time is the idea that the way one person does it might be the right way and the way another person does it might be the wrong way uh-huh. when in reality there is a lot of room and flexibility for you know yeah. screen time to play a different role in different families and different seasons
1: yeah yeah I think that you know, as soon as we start saying, well, this is the right way and this is the right amount of time. And then, you know, automatically we, we create a dichotomy among our friends really is what we're talking about. You know, it becomes a sticking point with like, oh, well, he only does one hour every other week. And oh, you guys do three and oh, you know, that's just so ugly. So, um,
0: I think it's one of those things that, like, it can be very divisive
1: if we allow it to be.
0: Or it could be something that we can really um, just listen to each other about and get ideas for how, like, what, if I'm running into certain conflicts in my own home, what is Mm -hmm. another way I might be able to handle that or different um, boundaries I might be able to set to help my children be more successful in the things that they're doing?
1: Because here's the reality. The reality is when my kids were five and under— it was not an issue at all. Yeah, it really wasn't. I mean, I said I had kids taking naps every day for two hours, three hours. It was great. You know, (laughs) like, yeah, so like, yeah, as they get older and it just becomes more part of the culture, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like you're saying, it starts to become an issue. So I do kind of want to say to the younger moms, you know, um, that right now it might seem like, well, what's the big deal? you know, like my kids don't even care about the iPad. And I I actually, and I know children who are like that. I know children who just could, they don't even care about it. But as they get older, there's a a culture that is involved with that. And you know what? You can say no to that. And I think, I I mean, that's from, from the essay I wrote about this is the fist bump part, you know, where it's just like, we are the parents, you know, there's no, um, golden law out there that says all children must have their iPad when they ask for it no no we are the moms we are empowered. I want to empower moms yeah. to say like no and like you know because I, I think I also feel the guilt of like because I know how much my kids love it I know how much they love it and I'm a mom I want to give them things that they love right yeah. <laughs> but and in this particular case um I mean, not even going into the field of, like, what can happen, quote-unquote, out there, you know, with kids on their devices and stuff. Yeah. Not even talking about that. But just, it's okay for me to be like, nope, nope, it's not a game day today. Nope, we're not going to play games. Nope.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. I've um, I've been thinking about this for a few years, how um, as the stay at home parent for my children, I um, I see myself as the gatekeeper of our home and not just what comes in and out our front door, but also what comes in and out of our you know, technology and our devices and um, I would say that we are a more tech-oriented family and we do spend a fair amount of time on screens Um, and my kids are very um, capable with a lot of different things that I'm really glad that they know and are, uh-huh. are really um, like they're learning coding and they're doing a lot of things that I never did when I was a child. Cause I wasn't uh-huh. around at that time, right. or at least not in a, a way that I was, um, able to participate in it. And so I feel like it's providing good opportunities for them, but it's also up to me to discern and decide what, um, what is healthy for them. And Uh I can tell with my sons, especially like they love being on uh, screens so much that, um, they would forego every other thing. They would forego meals if they could, Uh um, to stay on it, which is why they don't play all that much. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's something that's within my realm of responsibility Uh to, um, at least in the ages my kids are, which are You know, I have my, uh, the ones that use screens are between, you know, three and a half and 10. And so they're not as able to make decisions for themselves about what would be healthy, what would be prudent in this time. And so...
1: Well, and that brings uh, that brings up a good point, which is that if you're if we are going to allow them, if I allow my children on iPads, then I have to keep up with their iPads. Like I mm-hmm. literally go into the we keep the iPads in the pantry, and so I'll walk into the pantry and just open them up and see, you know, they can't download any games, but. Um, but well, there you go. There's one safeguard, right? Like yeah. that, we have it set so they can't download their own games and, um, obviously can't spend money on it and like stuff like that, but hey, keep up with that. Make sure you yeah. know what they're playing.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. This is such a rich conversation and, uh, something that I think uh, I have found to be really, uh, I don't know, enlightening and, um, enriching a lot more than I expected to when we chose this as a topic for Kindred Mom. And um, I really appreciate the way that you laid out what is real for you in your family life and also the grace that you bring to that conversation for (laughs) other families who might do it differently. And um, I think it's a great article for people to check out if they haven't read it uh, yet. And there's some more resources on the Kindred Mom blog having to do with screen time as well to check out. And um, Lynn, I am so glad that you have been on with me today. I, um, I think we're going to wrap this up now, but I just so appreciate all of your thoughts on this topic. And I am sure we will have you back very soon on some of the other uh, topics that you're tackling and your essays that you are contributing to our community. Um, so thank you so much for sharing from your experience and being a part of Kindred Mom.
1: You are so welcome. I love this community. I love seeing what it's becoming. It's a pretty, pretty neat thing. I'm excited.
0: We're so glad to have you on our team. um, And I hope that we can hear from you again soon. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Lynn. Bye-bye. Well, I hope that discussion on screen time got you thinking about your own home and values you have as a family regarding technology. I think this is such a valuable discussion and I was pleasantly surprised by how well received it was when these essays were shared on the Kinder Mom blog. We also featured an essay by Tresta Payne called Stewarding Screen Time and she touched on the idea that helping kids learn how to make wise and discerning choices about how to navigate this topic being an important life skill that we have to keep in the forefront of our minds as we're parenting children in the slightly older years um, when they might be more connected online. It's a bit different than the simpler early years when screens are mostly about entertainment. You can search for that essay on the blog and read more of her thoughtful insights there. As I wrap up this episode, I wanted to let you know about a few things. The Kindred Mom Vision Team would really love to encourage you to think about how you might intentionally connect with other mamas this summer. We are hosting our own Kindred Mom Summer Connection Group in one team member's backyard, which will run weekly for eight weeks in June and July as a way to bring moms together and foster community building with old friends and new. It's gonna be a fun time with activities for kids, coffee for moms, and time to chat about life. We have some ideas uh, put together on Kindred Mom, along with some resources to help you if you have never hosted a group like that before you can go look for the summer connection groups on the blog and read a little bit more about it even if you keep it simple and just invite a friend or two over on a weekly basis i think you'll find that that time grows to be very meaningful as you share your stories with each other in real time and talk about what you're going through and how your children are growing and um, it's just been such a valuable part of the way that i have built community in my own local area and wanted to share that with you I think that's all for this episode. We so appreciate you listening. Um, Please take a moment and leave us a review on iTunes so that other mamas can find out about this podcast. Um, If you are catching this episode before May 24th 2017 we would love for you to enter the podcast launch giveaway for one of the two hospitality bundles we have to share Um, they are being given away one is on Instagram and the other one will be awarded to someone who is on our email subscriber list Um, they're not the same so you're welcome to enter for one or both Um, but we'd really love to um, bless you if you happen to be the the winner of one of them and um, they're both basically some some supplies and items that might help you get started with a, a group like this so um, it would be a really great thing to, to do if you are planning to um, host something like that in your own home or somewhere in town um, thanks so much and we hope you take care